0: Everybody, I'm Kevin O'Donoghue, licensed New York State mental health counselor,
1: and I'm Nasima Diane licensed massage therapist and trauma specialist. And this is the Positive Mind,
0: where we bring you some ideas, concepts, and guests to help you lead a more positively minded life. And we have a, a guest today. We have Thayer Case, who is joining us. Um, but I wanted to, and I wanted to say something about our last week's show because uh, a few stations out in the West Coast. Picked us up. Uh, it must have been the title. We did a show last week on suicide, suicide prevention, awareness. You know, and it occurred to me I forgot to ask the question: What would you do if somebody were to say to you that they were considering suicide? What would you do? Right? We have philosophy books and psychology books and all of this stuff, but it really can often just come down to person to person trying to help somebody stay in this world and you know I thought it was a challenge you know something you know that I think is really worth reflecting on everybody to deal with it in their own way because we know trying to persuade somebody is not going to work you know you can tell them all the things they have going for them and that people love them and you know that they have all this time left and all these advantages and possibilities And somehow we know that that really doesn't work. So I think it's useful for everybody, each and every one of us, to really think, what would I do? What would I say? I think it's very important to stay physically with the person, stay in their presence. So I wanted to uh, mention that before we went on with today's show and today's guest. Yeah, what would you do? What would you say? So today we have Thayer Case with us. Thayer is a somatic experiencing practitioner. He has a practice uh, that he's the director of called Maverick Psychotherapy Group, where he has 25 practitioners. They work together, working often with the body, talking about the body, bringing and integrating the body into psychotherapy and counseling. Why is this important? What would this do? What would actually addressing yourself to issues in the body do when you're suffering mentally. So I want to get right to it and welcome Thayer Case to our show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice. And what's, how is your practice different now that COVID is going on? And what issues are you facing and dealing with with clients? And how are you helping them? So welcome to The Positive Mind.
2: Thank you both for having me. I really appreciate it. I have been working with somatic psychology for about 12, 13 years, and had explicitly um, I have kind of a history of working with the body and life and death. I worked for hospice for many years. I've been a social work director of a hospital and nursing home and um, ran child grief programs and uh, also has worked with in many disasters, school shootings, Deaths in schools, companies worked with disabilities, less able bodied folks, and ARC agencies and companies, and some Fortune 500 companies doing a lot of consulting around resiliency and trauma informed care. So, and so I've been doing that for a while. So, right now I'm working with the um, crisis stabilization and safety group at the Somatic Experiencing Training Institute which is head by um, uh, this wonderful practitioner and public health expert, Amy Amy Lee, and a bunch of us other people on there doing some stuff like Beth Cole, Diane Eckhart, Burt Rogers and Kathy Allen, just giving them a shout out, who are all experts in their fields. And so we've been designing um, a way to help folks in the field. So we can, I don't get back to later, but to answer your question, it's been a lot different in COVID right now we've had a lot of group we have a lot of locations and i think as a just in a psychotherapy way we've been having to deal with this existential crisis as a group yes Uh, and there's been uh you know suddenly shifting business model and working model in terms of being hybrid at home or just entirely at home um and you know having to have run therapy sessions and making sure that we're in confidential areas and dogs and kids and pets and, you know, things are coming in and out and those of us who have kids dealing with school schedules. Um, I think pervasively what we've seen um, and that what I've been noticing is that, that there's a, there's a couple of things that are happening. First, there is this existential crisis. So that there's a shared experience that people are in as therapist and as clients. So we have kind of pervasive isolation, I think after six months, now it's kind of real, right? It's like, okay, I can like one month goes by, I can deal with this three months. It'll be over soon. Four months. Okay. This is getting old. And now here in the Northeast, especially up where I live in the Catskills, winter is coming and it gets cold and very isolated and very dark. Yeah, And so I think it's becoming more realistic for people. So I'm starting to see a little bit more of, kind, you know, the sad, like seasonal affective disorder kind of combined with um, knowing that we're coming up for more isolation. I think also that another thing we see is that in what I've noticed in myself and others, that we see pervasive existential issues happening.
0: Tell people what that means, because I know what it means. I went to college and studied existentialism, but uh, uh, w- tell them what that means.
2: What I mean by that is that, like, questions about existence itself and the meaning of existence that might kind of be there on the surface are now not so much. I mean, that it might not be on the surface, are now on the surface. So what am I going to do with my life? Do I like what I'm doing? Do I like my husband? Do I like the kind of father I am? Do I like my work? And what if the answers are all no? Hmm?
0: What if the answers are all no? (laughs)
2: Well, that person might have some work to do, and that can create, you know, that's can be either like a a pivot point or a choice point for somebody, and it can in their life where I think you know this isn't working for me, and I need to do something else. That can be incredibly empowering. Or sometimes people can collapse, and I think that's happening too. And isolate more, right? So that that's kind of, I think people are really like things are kind of boiled down or distilled right now. I think for most people, regardless of political spectrum or anything, so it's all on the table.
0: You know, when people think uh, existential crisis, I mean, often it is a question of meaning. What meaning does my life have? How can I give my life meaning? Where do I get the meaning from? And I know you know for myself that these these questions have become very prominent uh this last two months particularly the last two months i i was fine the first four but you know these are really cr- excruciating questions and issues even for people with solid mental health
2: yes yes i think that like i mean to me i think that i think that the um like the meaning question is it's kind of dovetails in the same, like it is kind of an exist, It is an existential question. It was like, it's the meaning of how do I give meaning or purpose to my life? And I think there's also kind of this other overlaying question of like, what do I want with my life? You know? So like that, I think want, I use more as a way of a sense of like, you know, moving towards autonomy or agency. And then that combined with like, meaning so oftentimes i'll have people work i do this when i'm helping with like organizations too like what what are your values like what meaning do you want to have and then how do you what do you move towards that so i think those things can be to me when i'm working clinically or in a coaching way like how do we get in touch with what we want or what our longing are and then the kind of like has that filter through meaning or belief in our life
0: Let's talk about that because wants seem to be the furthest thing people can even consider right now. Meaning is is obviously an important question, but there's such scarcity, this sense of isolation that people are feeling and a sense of limited options out in the world that to even consider what I want, my wants, you know, sounds like something like I'm not even entitled to think about during all of this. Uh, can you talk a little bit, maybe about some of your own clients that are talking about what they want? Because it's inevitable when you're talking about existential questions. Yes, to ask, what is it I really am looking for? What is it I really want? Um, but then they come up against this reality that the world is in a certain condition. There's even in even when the world is functioning normally, I can't get what I want. So, can you talk a little bit about this conflict?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great. I think it's a great question. I don't know how deep we want to go in the philosophy of this, but it's yeah. it, it, where, I think that to me coming back to like, kind of like a, from a clinical perspective, generally in a developmental psychology perspective, is that in an, in an in a, in a attachment perspective is that what does the human system want to do in terms of, is that it wants to move towards autonomy. It wants to move towards coherence,
0: least i believe this i agree i totally agree with you sure and
2: that and and towards like kind of a more organ like towards like a coherent organization what does that look like in behavior that looks like the ability to be an autonomous self which means not an individual self but it means the ability in the way i understand it is that the ability to be connected and be an individual at the same time which is again like to me like because you know i come from a Kind of a mystical background, it's a non-dual perspective. So, so that we have this, you know, the dichotomy is not to want. It's not like you know, like I want new sneakers, although I do need new sneakers, and I do want. Sure. Them. But, <laughs> but it's more of like, am I in touch with my longing, right? And when we talk about working with developmental trauma, and it, and it combines with the way I understand and the way we would talk about mysticism. Like you have to have a self in order to work with the self, and that self has longing, and that there is a, there's a, there's a self there to work with. Doesn't mean that like I'm gonna get what I want necessarily. Oh, I see. But just the longing itself in is is kind of the energy of, of it, and that and that can be you know it feels generally good, or or crappy.
1: And and I get the sense that that's one of the feelings that people really don't want to touch, that it's really a hard one to sort of drop into, because I think when you when you talk about um, attachment and, and it's like it's like that need that just never got met and yeah. how painful that is. And I think people do tend to move away from that. And and it's one of the more difficult emotions to really sink into.
2: Exactly, exactly, because the thing that we're, you know, I talk about this in the people in training all the time because we have a lot of interns and trainees and also doing so much assisting with the somatic experiencing community that, you know, we're, the need will never be fulfilled.
0: Nobody's, nobody's needs will ever exactly. be fulfilled, ever. But, but, but we
2: can experience is the emotion or the feeling that we couldn't that. And that, that was, and then suddenly when that happens, you know, I always tell people like, then what was a, was like a horribly traumatic memory becomes just a crappy memory, which is what we want. Right. 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 So that, and that, then you can feel like, you know what, like when I think about, you know, the way my mother, mother was, when she came home and you know beat me up or something, I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. I can think of that in, in, in my body is not like it's still happening. I can think about that. You know, that thing that makes me sad.
0: Okay. Um, two things. First, I want to say, cause I can't help that. It strikes me based on what you're saying that this is, I don't want to be Pollyanna about this, but I think this time, this crisis is an opportunity for people to acknowledge the limits of their wanting, their longing, uh, their needs Uh, but also the objective of uh, experiencing and actualizing autonomy, like you say, independence, like you say, a sense of self, like you say. And so can this crisis, so, so crises can be an opportunity for people who really in normal circumstances don't even have a sense of self.
2: Yeah, it can be for sure. I think, you know, I think also it's, you know, it can, like, let me just put a caveat on this. Like it can sound like, like you were just saying, it can, we can sound like this is like kind of Pollyannic. Yes. But actually what really it means is that I think a lot of people are recognizing like what it is they want or what they believe in or what they find meaning in. And that, I think, you know, that really ties into our, the other kind of thing that people are really feeling including myself is this really intense uprising with social justice movement and the context in which we're all in. Yes. And then I think that, you know, social justice in my mind is an existential issue because it's, and that I think that as people hopefully are becoming more clear about themselves and where they come from, that like, you know, some of the veils of privilege are starting to come on, are starting to lift a little bit, a little bit, yeah, and people are very uncomfortable, which is what it's—that's the in SE language. What's undercoupled underneath that? It's out of awareness, it's coming back together.
0: So and so, uh, sorry, the big deal. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. I mean, I do want to transition to what you're talking about. It was SE for those of you who don't know what somatic experiencing is? You're going to show us some tools that people can use. Um, from SE, but can you tell us how SE emerged in the field of psychotherapy, um, how important it is to your practice, uh, how it's growing in the in the world of therapy and counseling, um, and what, what some tools are that SE delivers that people are finding? Because, you know, I think everybody knows uh, the body keeps the score is like been on the bestseller list for, for a couple of years now. Um, and just listen to that, um, my audience. The body keeps the score. So, you great. you know, um, classically, people would go to ther- therapy and talk about their mother like you referred a, a century ago. Freud would always just want to know about what's what was your relationship with your mother like. And, uh, you know, it's obviously becomes a bit absurd. But what it is, is the memory of your mother or the memory of harsh experiences that you had throughout your childhood that might feature your mother, your father, your siblings, your neighborhood, your neighbors, everything is lodged in your body still. And that somatic experiencing and this kind of counseling is a way to get that out. Is that a fair way of kind of globally describing somatic experiencing?
2: Um, I mean, kind of, I think like, I think that it's, it's like, uh, um, that's a big question you just asked. I think that, you know, just to put it in historical context from what I understand, and there's people who know a lot more about this than I do, but the contribution of somatic experiencing and other body centered modalities like Hakomi and, and sensory motor and, you know, and the zillions of other ones that are out there that are similar is that what the kind of the brilliance is that the under, like, you know, we talk about, you know, this, that there's no difference between mind and body, but yet we still use it that way. And in fact, I think in reality, it's not, there isn't, there there is no difference that's it's a false dichotomy there's a brain but does the mind live in the brain it's a whole you know you have 17 years of podcasts on that one. right so i don't know what the answer to that is but like no, nobody even knows what consciousness is so like we could we could divert into the matrix on that one but anyway going back to that is i think this the what body psychology brought was was brought that people's experience is as true and that they have a body. People's experience, you know, is not just an idea and that it's physical and it's thoughts and it's feelings and it's sensations and it's images and it's memories and it's sounds. It's everything. It's a much richer experience.
0: So rather than always drilling down as to what is going on in your mind, in your mind, in your mind, um, you focus on people's current experiences and what that might be, what the stress in their experiences are. Is that kind of? I think
2: with the somatic experiencing, like the the kind of one of the set definitions, like it's like letting, it's allowing the body's natural inherent ability to heal and to complete incomplete fight and flight responses and freeze responses. And have them come to some kind of resolution, so life and vitality is restored to the body. We're kind of in a very succinct way, and I think a lot of the body modalities do that. Where Essie and Peter Levine's brilliance really come through in this stuff is that you know his ability to work with and name out shock trauma specifically. SE is incredible modality to work with shock trauma. So shock trauma is more like you know shock trauma versus developmental trauma. Like, so shock trauma is like, you know, you're in a car accident, you see something horrible, you know, the classic PTSD kind of things. And, you know, the ability to work with these and effectively is kind of, and you work, you know, when people get better at somatic experience, you really start to trust the body, really start to track what people are doing. You start to see the body and the mind and meaning, meaning is not excluded from any of this. Like, that's a big mistake that people who are doing somatic psychology make. Like, oh, it's all about sensations. They're they're wrong. It's not all about sensations. It's about all of it. Is and it so- where the
0: sensations lead to? You start with <laughs> sensations and maybe where it will take the the client in a session? Uh, I'm just trying to get you a visual. Anything.
2: It's all what the client kind of wants to lead with and what, what somebody, whether it's a coaching, a body work, whatever, whether you're listening to the body with your hands, and or you're listening to the body with your eyes and your mind, or you, I always ask the person what it is that they want to work with. You know, a lot of times people will come in and they're, you know, that's not a question because they're just in immediate crisis, and that's and there's some stabilization involved. But I think that, like what I always describe as, is I work with a lot of people with a lot of different modalities, and i you know, I think, Seema will probably agree with me on this, is that we have like. No matter what modality you're using, whether you're deep into psychoanalysis, whether you're a licensed massage therapist, whether you're, you know, whatever, a coach, a yoga instructor, an EMT, you can use these skills and use them well. And, it, and they translate because they're, they're not in conflict with, with other systems because it's learning how to use and work with the threat system.
0: Let's say, because um, this is very helpful and I really want to give our audience a visual of the whole practice of somatic experiencing. But, you know, I, li- I like this idea that, you know, if you look at your partner in life uh, and you could look at them and see the trauma and the, the, the holding in their body, and they might not feel like they need to see a counselor or a therapist, but you as their partner see it. And then you, let's say, point it out to them. And then maybe they say, yeah, okay, I could do some work on that so long as I don't have to, you know, be psychoanalyzed. Um, maybe I'll give somatic experiencing a try. Uh, do you get any referrals like that? Do you do you see people walk into your office with never knowing them and then just see the way they hold their body, that they are in some kind of holding, some kind of trauma, some experiences that they are they haven't released? I mean... Can you talk a little bit about how this is so different than typical therapy counseling uh just just by seeing a person physically
2: I think there's a couple of factors in going to how we're seeing and track somebody I mean I think that when I have my clinical eye on you know I it's I'm you know much more of a rock star in noticing things you know, when I point something out to my wife, usually she's like, don't do a somatic experiencing on me. You know, like, <laughs> I have my own therapist, you know, like so like, you know, that, that doesn't go well. And it's even my daughter. Right. It. But, you know, in terms of seeing things, yeah, I mean, I think like after you do a lot of training with an SE and you're out of your own work, you start to, you, because of the training and you have your own awareness, you start to notice people, I don't know, maybe in a more holistic way like that you start to notice, and you don't just notice pain, you can notice resiliency and you can notice lots of different things. I mean, there's a lot of studies that like, you know, doing a lot of open hearted, open awareness practices, like people who do Tibetan practice, zogchen or, or Mahamudra practice or Zazen and Zen. Like, you know, if you do a lot of that, then you know you start noticing things a little bit more. Or if you're like a CIA
0: agent and like you've gotten training on how to notice stuff. So
2: it's similar to that. You start to really notice micro movements
0: what are people experiencing now? Like even your average client is, what are some of the symptoms from COVID from six months of isolation, six months of dealing with this?
2: I mean, I think it depends. It depends on where what they're from and oftentimes the, the what how you identify and what color your skin is.
0: Let me take one from your list. I mean, my breathing is shallow and it's really just been shallow for the last month, I would say. And- I think it partially is because I usually get seasonal affective uh, issues and symptoms. But on your list, you mentioned shallow breathing as a a symptom that people might be experiencing uh, that would make somatic experiencing a helpful modality. Are, Are there things other people are experiencing?
2: Yeah, I mean, okay, so this would be an example. For COVID specifically, like when we're talking about the things people are experiencing, the other thing is that we're in a pandemic, like coming back, circling back to what you asked
0: before. Yes, right. But so people are
2: coming, there's existential crisis, there's isolation, there's, you know, racial injustice and social injustice and social movements and a lot of political polarization and election coming up. All those things are true. And there's actually a pandemic. <laughs> That's right. Right. Yep. And that people are actually dying and getting sick, including a lot of people I know. New York is a little bit less, right? But the threat is real. But the problem that our systems have, and this is where it comes in with the body stuff, right? Is that we don't know where it is. You know, like we don't, it's, it's, where is it? Is it floating around? Is it her? Is it him? Like who has this? It's like, who has the cooties, right? We don't know. Yeah. Right. And so, that gives a pervasive sense of threat. And so most of us, I think, can relate to it's like, I have the sniffies. Do I have COVID? Am I going to die? Like, it goes, it goes, it's like boom, boom, boom. It's like associated immediately. So that makes our system go, like, am I under threat? So our sympathetic system goes into charge. We maybe become a little hypervigilant maybe like people who tend towards like conspiracy or towards things start to lean a little bit more towards that way. Cause you start to get a little bit, what's going on? Where's the threat? We're going to start looking for it and where the heck is it? And I'm going to find it somewhere.
0: You see, I didn't think about any of those things, to be honest with you. Yes. Those are in the background now that the president has COVID, but also, you know, that we're in a pandemic and people are dying and, you know um all these other the the social movements and election coming up and all of these other things you know i tend to let those things drift away as i go about my day and then yet i still feel wait a second you know my breathing is only into my chest I mean, I'm noticing something's going on. What is causing this? And frankly, I mean, I don't like to say that I'm affected by the pandemic. (laughs) I've been, I've had my own level of, I've had my own level of, I've had my own level of denial, let's say about it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a realist. I I know, but you know. um, But if
2: people, what I would say, like, you know, which is, this is a great entry into this, that if somebody wanted to explore this. And after I tell them a little bit about it, I would say, you know, like, well, what happens if you, you know, what you could say, like, what happens if we explore this, but kind of what we call from the bottom up. So, like, what happens if you, if your breath is shallow and you feel like it's ending, you point it to your, like, your, um, uh, you know, solar plexus area, like, what happens if you just kind of allow it to be there for a second? And just see what happens next. The classic SE thing to say. See so, what happens. So
0: next. I will respond. I'm going to do that right now as you say it. And, and what happens is the breath goes into my belly, and then I feel a tremendous void. I'm I'm yeah. not kidding. I'm, I mean I'm 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 just yeah. I'm able to do that. I'm in touch with that because I'm a therapist. And but when I okay, if I just let it to be there. I guess because there's a certain amount of resistance to my shallow breathing that you allowing me to breathe in and breathe deeper or just to let it be there all of a sudden made it released and it went down into my belly. And then I just felt like, yeah, I mean, if I were in a, a soundproof room, I would like roar.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, it's more of suggesting the possibility of you allowing yourself to do it. That's a really important distinct distinction because like that's that's what can be so empowering about it, is that there's permission to, to work with somebody in a collaborative way. And then allowing your awareness to sink into that and allowing it to open up, it means that your capacity just increased a little bit and suddenly, you know, there's a little bit more life energy in there, even just doing it for a second. That doesn't mean it's not gonna close again. But it's kind of like SE allows us to, or, you know, and most a lot of the body modalities allow us to explore just how sensitive we actually are. Like and that we're all affected by this and there's not a lot of, it's a, it's like, you know, there's a lot of shame around our reactions or, you know, everybody's affected by this.
0: I'm finding and- that my, my clients are actually even more sensitive now. You know, that even clients that weren't sensitive before, maybe, you know, because they're they're boxed in, you know, and that they feel like their alertness of themselves in the world is heightened, that uh, they feel like they're absorbing everything that's going on in the world. Now, not two months ago, not three, four, five months ago. Now, it's just this past week, these past two weeks, I would say, here in new york maybe it's related to uh, seasonal change change of the light etc you know one bad thing on top of another but they all seem to have like a heightened sensitivity to everything well, i, I yeah, mean they all need hugs but before you answer that there i would need to take our musical break you're listening to The Positive Mind. I am Kevin O'Donoghue, licensed New York State mental health counselor.
1: And I'm Nasima dyan Deemer, licensed massage therapist and trauma specialist. And we'll
0: be right back. back with their case and we were talking about clients needing hugs and heightened sensitivity what's your reaction to that we were talking about boundaries before and that
2: you know a lot of times clinically we're seeing you know you can think of the opposite spectrums people who have a really hard time filtering stuff out and you have know, people who have trouble taking stuff in i think one of the kind of incredible gifts of somatic experiencing and also other somatic modalities is that you can really physically manifest boundaries and that physically manifesting the boundary actually really reinforces in your whole system, your whole mind that exists and re- reifies and can help heal. Like for instance, those people out there who 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 might have you know environmental sensitivities or or, or very, you know, like might have immunodeficiencies, and they're very scared because they're, you know, COVID can be very deadly for people. You know, so you extra cautious or like, you know, those, sometimes people or, or I'm sure you've had clients who have a hard time not picking up other people's feelings, right? So there's a lot of kind of um, porous boundaries between self and other in certain areas of their life. Now, that can be really helpful for some people. You know, a lot of therapists are like that, right? But it can get very overwhelming now. Right? Because there's a pervasive threat again and there's a lot of stuff going on. So it's hard to filter out. So even working with somebody just imagining like with their hands up or imagining kind of a, a wall or a shield that they have agency of what comes in and what goes out, like in physically manifesting that can make a huge difference. It's like a ritual. So rituals are so powerful. They're physical. Right? So it kind of incorporates the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I've I've been finding boundary work incredibly important for my clients. And I use, I call them my magic ropes. I have all these multicolored ropes in my office and, and I ask them to sort of place the rope in a place that feels comfortable for them. And it's incredible. They're just like, Oh, wow, I suddenly feel relaxed. The nervous system somehow reads that as Oh, there's a boundary there. I don't have to experience the world from the level of my skin. You know, it's like there is a space between me and the world. And that really helps uh, the system to sort of become a little more um, aware of itself in a way yeah
2: what it's what the magic part of this which is so cool i just realized as you were saying is that like that helps facilitate awareness of that space that's there but it's unsaid exactly. and that and that as soon as it's articulated it becomes real and the porousness lessens yes and there and and it can be very empowering and that's why it's like magic like you use the word magic ropes like you know, working however you're working, but when it's really this kind of magic of like, wow, like I can feel this boundary, and I somehow feel a little bit better. Like, how does that work? Who knows? We yeah. have our theories, right. but like, but it, but it, it works deeply, and it's like naming, making visible the invisible, and suddenly it's empowering. So it, I can imagine a it too with you with the other way of like when you ha- lay hands on somebody they know it's like how do they receive touch right i mean how much information do you pick up from that
1: oh it's oh it's huge and like i was working with someone the other day and and it's just like she was not used to having the ability to tell me exactly where and how she might want to be touched. Like she couldn't quite tune into her body to, because that's sometimes how I'll approach people who are kind of touch averse. You know, it's like, tell me, you know, as you're laying on the table, you know, I'm, I'm happy to go to any place in any way that you feel you would like, and maybe they don't want it. And that's okay, too. So that's a boundary, too. Like I'm honoring a certain boundary right there. And this also links to what you were talking about as far as autonomy and that quality of being able to sort of be an individual and be connected at the same time. You cannot do that without a boundary because then you merge. You're either merging or you're completely walling off. So this is where the sort of that that membrane of boundary is so important for helping you to establish autonomy and agency in the world.
2: Exactly. I mean, I would, and I always probably like to further that metaphor more, I'd say that we always have a boundary, but the, the quality or the nature of the boundary is what, I mean, in some ways, that's all we're working with, right? Yeah. In psychotherapy or body work or anything, yoga, mm-hmm. the asanas, the skin, the bones, the sinews. Right.
0: Our psychic boundaries You know, all those kinds of things. Some people don't feel entitled to have a boundary. Like they almost feel like they're so overextended and responsible for other people, let's say, and that they're givers by nature, that they don't even have a sense of themselves so that they're always giving, let's say. And how do they get – you know, I could imagine and could see how giving them this exercise with these ropes that, wow, I can fall into myself. I can recognize I have a self. I'm different. I'm not more my obligations, my work, my children, my life.
2: So – working through the fear and then a sense of oh
0: okay
1: yeah that okay. can come up too is it really oh okay. yeah some people I had one person completely jump over the rope she's like you're not fencing me in I'm like okay fine <laughs> I, was, I was like that's interesting <laughs> oh, boy. not to
2: but get yeah. too much into the weeds no, of this yeah. but I think people are you know it depending on where we're coming from and like kind of what our what how we grew yeah. up what our environment was what our genetic code is and like you know people have you know what our karma or whatever we want to think is that like, you know, these things we develop are survival strategies. So, you know, they're not, it's not bad.
1: Right. No, not at all. You
2: are horrible lives.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, so something that, that also applies with a boundary is that in trauma, very often it's the boundary that's been impacted
0: in yeah, a very, in, in a
1: very time. profound way. And that, that does apply to this, pervasiveness of this fear of this threat the fires out in california the just the news in itself is impactful um in our sense of like who we are and who the who we are in relationship to the world and that's a boundary infraction so that's why it's really important oh i love this this idea
0: this sounds
2: really useful i I would say i would say Nisima too that that all trauma is a boundary violation of some sort right yeah that's what it is right and then it manifests as a past present intrusion Exactly. Right. So that's so we, it enabled like one of the definitions that I remember reading like in beginning one, which is the first training module of somatic really Like, it, you know, that it's the inability to be present.
0: Yeah, all is trauma. It, right? Yeah, is yeah. an overwhelm of the system, overwhelm of the boundary, or let's say that you couldn't handle it, so your boundary goes all the way. Is that fair to say? I want to talk about your social mission. You know, and yeah. the work that you're doing socially. I mean, you you call the Maverick Psychotherapy Group and you you're very values and mission driven. Can you talk about the crisis stabilization and safety aid idea that you're you're using with the public and what this idea is?
2: Sure. It's this is an idea that was Put into motion by the Somatic Experiencing Training Institute, which had been um, which had been in works for a little bit, um, because the community—I think it maybe is it maybe seventy thousand people have gone through the SE trainings wow. in the world. Pretty, it's pretty big, right? Wow, now. that's great. There's a lot of people who were. There's been a lot of call for, you know, kind of broadening the mission of, of SETI, not the search for extraterrestrial. Intelligence, <laughs> <laughs> but S E T I, yeah, exactly. The other study that I like. Okay, but um, the um, but so and and there's been a lot of call event like you know to have some kind of aid to help in other kind of situations besides in the therapy room. You know, I also want to say too that SC's not just a counseling technique. Like it really is applicable across so many modalities that. That's what's kind of the beauty of it. It's not like, um, it's not just for therapists. It's really for anybody who works with anybody um, in any kind of way. So,
1: and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just to add to that, I mean, my experience of what SE is, it's it's like a deep training in understanding how the body responds to overwhelming stressors, to how you grew up. It's like, it's such a great sort of education that, you get an understanding about the nervous system the body the brain memory and how all of those experiences you know sort of form you and your life
0: so you don't have to be a psychotherapist to even want to learn it and to get a degree in it is that right
1: um, no you don't no you don't you need to you need to be in some sort of health or healing you know profession yeah. um to do the training even HR. but yeah even hr yeah
0: okay okay but I mean, if you're an introspective person and and you want to take an online training without uh, a, a counseling degree or you know, it sounds to me yeah, like this is the next thing. This is a way for us to feel other people, and rather than go into the head, let's go into where it hurts. You know, what you're feeling in your body and how that's inhibiting you. It sounds to me like everybody could learn from this.
1: Yeah, there are there are like introductory trainings and all that kind of stuff, but yeah.
2: So, so they bring it back to the crisis, The stabilization is that I don't think everybody needs to learn the Sema. Like Nasima and I, like it's good that we know it, right? Yeah. And, I, and that and other people do it, and other people do lots of cool things to help with healing. And but you know the the EMT on the street, you know, it'd be, it'd be too much to go through a three year training. To be able, to, that it wouldn't be as wouldn't be so helpful.
0: Right? Yeah, I, I understand. So, yeah.
2: so, so, but and there's certain principles that SE brings up that can be very helpful in, in, like, as the title of this thing called the crisis stabilization safety situations. So SETI in the history of this got, like I said, this, Ami Reddy Lee, who's who's the head leading this, has really spearheaded this project. And she's fantastic. She has tons of experience with FEMA and hurricanes and disasters. And she has a master's in public health. And she's an SE SC, an SC program. And so with her guidance and a lot of some incredible people who I've been honored to work with as advisors, um, to kind of come up with a quick stabilization tool for frontline workers. And Nassim and I were talking yesterday about, you know, when we were talking about the show, You know, that what's cool about this is that this is kind of another creative application of some of the SE principles that aren't necessarily the same as when you're doing a quote SE session with somebody, right? Why? Because this is stabilization and safety. It's not necessarily healing. It's a healing work this is a way to like, I, kn- I know you guys had a shown resilience here, right? This is a way to increase resilience. So we talk about, in I see one of the, the kind of visual models that we use is, you know, everybody knows a sine wave, right? Remember that trigonometry, right? We have like, oh right. right. So you have, you know, two bars and a sine wave in between. And so the range. Right. The sine wave is, you know, from the bottom of the curve to the top of the wave. Right. Okay. so, that's the range of resilience. So the same charge, right? So if that if that sine wave is the charge in the system, up and down, sympathetic, parasympathetic, there's kind of the pulse of somebody being alive. What we're doing, and I see eventually is making that range of resiliency larger. So the same charge doesn't have the same kind of impact. Then this tool helps that in the moment happen. And eventually hope the hope is, is that people are less likely to be traumatized because they will be less likely to go into an overwhelmed state, and that's a good thing that's a great
0: thing yeah so what are the, what are the charges? What's an example of a charge? Oh, fire, racial riot, watching something violent happen
2: at home, you know being in an emergency room right now.
0: It can, um, is it, is uh, it that dramatic? Can it just be, you know, I've been be anything? I've been isolated be for six months and I'm starting, it's really starting to get to me.
2: Yes, it can be that. But I think maybe it'd be helpful to give examples of like how it can be used on like for people who are on the front line, especially because there's so many people on the front line doctors, nurses, PAs, social workers,
1: EMTs, paramedics,
2: <laughs> firefighters, police. You know, I'm doing some consulting with police and firefighters and emergency workers. You know, There's so much going on right now. I agree. Hurri- yeah. Hurricanes. Yes. Hurricanes.
0: Yeah. Wildfires. Yeah. And, and I
2: can tell you out there, all your listeners, like in parenting, like parenting, geez, Louise.
1: Parenting right. right now is.
0: That's being on the front lines. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, like,
2: what are you going to do when you have two kids, three kids at home, and you're supposed to be two, like, there's two parents, maybe. Yes. And you're supposed to be working full-time jobs, and okay. you have a two-, a five-, and a six-year-old. Right. You're supposed to be doing something. Gosh. Right? Yeah. And you need to make money because you need to pay the bills, and they can't go to school, and you have to get computer. It's very stressful.
0: Very stressful. So help us with this. How do we build the charge, the capacity? I mean, is yeah. this a fair question? To increase the range how of do we increase? How do we increase the range? Well, there's a few ways. The
2: way that this, there's this tool called Scope, which is was we we kind of developed initially in the beginning of the COVID crisis, and it's easy to remember because just think of mouthwash, right? (laughs) Not Listerine, okay. It helps like with the bad breath of COVID. I don't know, whatever you would. I like it. I like it. You can download this for free of a poster size or a card size on
0: the SETI website.
1: It's traumahealing.org. Uh,
0: traumahealing.org. Good. Traumahealing.org
2: slash something. Okay.
0: Can... Okay. And they'll be able to get this poster because it's a very colorful, nice poster. Yeah. Or a card. Yeah, it's great. And it makes a lot of sense. So take us through scope, S-C-O-P-E. So, so
2: scope is, is a very quick way. So I'm going to explain it how I would explain to anybody. So then they can use it. Right. right. So so the scope stands for slow down, connect to the body, orient, pendulate, and engage. Okay. So slow down in this sense just means like for instance, let's give a real life examples. So you're in an emergency room, right? You you know, I've worked in hospitals in emergency situations. So it's very chaotic. There's a lot going on. You have to pay attention to a lot of different aspects. Of what's happening, and to say calm down, or like you know, you you, fart, you start feeling yourself getting really agitated, you know, because there's ten people with COVID, or like you know, a gunshot wound just came, or whatever. So one thing you can do just very quickly is is to slow down. Why not to calm down? Calm down is like shame city. Calm down, every yeah. That, how's that work in spouse? Yeah, I mean, never like, works. Why don't you just calm down? That never goes well ever. Yeah, I've tried, it doesn't work. Okay. So, um, so you don't want to do that, but the slowdown, even just to like very slowly step. Right. So you want to just like, nobody will even notice. They'll just think you're doing like, you know, walking in slow mo like in a music video or something just for a second. Right. Right. Just like 10 steps or like moonwalk, you know, whatever, just something, something like, and that will like help like, kind of like this, the, the dust settle a little bit in your body. Remember, even if it's just, a modicum of a decrease that goes a long way okay yeah.
1: i also find that those two words really help someone who's who's if your mind is going very fast if they're thinking very fast if you just say slow down a bit it, it, it it's pretty miraculous
0: yeah and, and your body just slow slows down,
1: down body. just slow down yeah
0: it's it also is stop. It's, it's just saying it's also down. uh a way to be seen. You're seeing somebody slow down. If you say calm down, it's like you're, you're ignoring that. them. Slow down is like, I'm here for you. Let me see you as exactly. you are when you're slow. Slow yeah. down.
2: Well, you can. And also remember, this can be used two ways. This can be like the poster that Joe Schmo sees on the wall and says, huh, I'll try this. And you're just doing it on your own because you have it memorized. Or it can be kind of a way to like remind somebody in the moment. So this is actually more of a self-use tool that to remind you okay. something that you put right. on your lanyard in a hospital or oh, on your back okay. or like your, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, so the next one is, is to connect to your body. And this is a quick little tool. Um, that's pretty cool. And I suggest you guys try it cause it feels really good. <laughs> like Go if it doesn't, then don't do it. Sure. So you, you can tuck your arms underneath your armpits. Your, I mean, your hands underneath your armpits.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um, or just you, if that is difficult for some bodies, they put them on your ribs. No. And then cross your feet too. I mean, cross your ankles. So you're like crossed in two places. And obviously, you have to be sitting down for this. And then you tuck your head, tuck, put your chin to your chest and inhale deeply. And let's go. And just, to just feel that. Put your hands tuck under the armpits, lower head, and breathe. And you can also modulate the the this you know how hard you want to squeeze too. I also think of this C as contain.
0: You know, I I'm I'm almost feeling like um, it, it, to to me it's like I can handle this. Yeah, like yeah. A, a calmness comes over my body that is slowing me down. You know, like I can handle. You know, somehow it is a way. I feel like really nicely, tightly wrapped in myself and, oh, this is who I am. I I can handle this. So you get a phone call, you're on a 911, like, response
2: line, fire spreading, right? You know, my kid's stuck in the house, you know? And then the next call is gunshot wound. Somebody shot their neighbor because they wanted their evacuation quicker. Right. I mean, who knows what horrible things people hear. Right. Yes. And the are overwhelmed. Those, those, those folks have a lot of pressure on them. Right. 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 So then it's like they're sitting and then... <sighs> it makes it a little bit easier. Right. That's it. Just a little bit easier. Like people can incorporate it as a ritual thing, like just like something that you do that has an automatic response, just like, you know, you know, when you, you know, test out your reflexes in your knee, like you're going to do it. Right. If you hit your uvula and you're, and you're, you're going to gag.
0: There, I want to so- interrupt. We only have three minutes left. I want our audience to get oh, really? the, I want them to get the, these three principles additional. So we have slow down, connect to body. We're also going to have a uh, TheraCase back, but I want to, for today's show, finish with this tool for the crisis stabilization and safety aid, this, um, idea called scope, slow down, connect to your body. Could you tell us about O? Yeah, O,
2: I think, you know, Seema and I do this a lot, orient. I think this is my favorite of all these techniques because it's so effective. So orient just means to just simply look around on the one level. The way we talk about it in the tool is that it says slowly look around, noticing colors and shapes, let your gaze rest on something pleasant or comforting, like a brief visual vacation. Right now. So that means I would just try it. Just look around the room. You have to move your neck in these. You can't, you can't just move your eyes or else you look like you're in a horror movie.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. So you want to look around, you know, and you can look for something pleasant or also there's a few other things. You can just look around. That's it. And that will also work. Mm. You can also look for shapes or colors. What other things do you do in the CMO too?
1: Well, I, I just wanted to add that when you do this looking around, you reflexively release the neck muscles in the back of your neck. In order to turn your head and look around, that really helps people feel a lot more ease because most of the tension goes into people's necks and backs when they're under a lot of stress. And so this looking around just really sort of breaks that tension a little bit. It has to in order for your eyes to look places your neck
2: has yeah, to release it really, and it does like it like every time i do it i deep breathe deeper.
0: Yeah. wow i love these three tools we have two to go when we have about 90 yeah, yeah, seconds Okay, here we go
2: so orient like so those that's a really important thing to do if somebody's in really a lot of crisis or you're in a thing where you don't want to look at then orient on the ground just move your neck or just look around with blurry eyes You know, or don't orient because it's too weird what you're doing. You you don't have to do any of these things. Right. Pendulate is the very SE-ish thing, which means to move from the way it's defined in the thing is notice a place of ease in the body, a place of tension, slowly shift the tension between ease, tension, ease. So for instance, like right now, my nose feels pretty nice. I have some tension in my solar plexus back to my nose, right? So it's going from ease to tension to ease. You can be like, wow, I like sailboats. My stomach's in a knot. Mm. I like sailboats. And you want to obviously spend a little bit more time on that, but you don't have to. It's amazing how well this works, right? So to move between tension and ease is a way of pendulating, which is not totally exactly the way it's described in the training, but for this intensive purpose, this helps. The last thing is engage, which is to engage socially. Know your resources. You're a person. We're humans. To remind people to reach out. Nobody's an island. And that, like, these things can go a long way. Staying engaged socially, connecting with people you love or support you
0: is really important. That's from Thayer Case, um, and that's going to be our show for today. We're going to have Thayer back. I really like this. Uh, I'm feeling very, very relaxed. I swear I've never been exposed to these practices. And the the shallow breathing I was feeling at the beginning of the show is gone. So I thank you, Thayer Case, and we want to have you back. How can people reach you?
2: Um, they can reach me at info at com
0: info at uh, com. We want to thank you again, Thayer Case. We look forward to having you back. I think this information is essential and very important for people on the front lines. Um, that's going to do it for us here at The Positive Mind. I'm Kevin O'Donoghue, licensed mental health counselor
1: and I'm Nasima Diane Demer and we'd like to thank our new affiliates for airing the positive mind KXCR 96.1 in Alameda California KAOS 90 89.3 in Olympia Washington plus thank you to KXCR 90.7 in Florence Oregon KYGT 102.7 in Idaho Springs KPPQ <laughs> Ventura, California, WGRN 94.1 in Columbus, Ohio, WRWK 93.9 in Richmond, Virginia. For your continued support of our show, producer Connie Shannon, our chief engineer Jeff Brady, and you can contact us at tffpp.org with questions, comments, or suggestions for our show.
0: Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Be well, folks.